Well, hey, everybody. Good evening. How are y'all doing tonight? Fighting the sickness, feeling the tests, feeling the pressure. I know it's... Oops, sorry, Daniel. Um, I know it's getting to that time of the semester. And so um, thanks for coming out. Thanks for being here tonight. Um, if I haven't met you yet, I'm Jonathan. I'm, I think I've met a lot of you, but I still hope to. Um, so again, this is... You're at RUF, if you don't know where you are. Um, Reformed University Fellowship. And so... Um, we're a ministry here at the university for the university. We want to make our, our campus a better place. Um, and so um, if you have questions about how we want to do that, I'd love to grab coffee. I'd love to talk with you. Um, or if you just want to ha- get to know me better, um, I'd love to do that. Um, and what we want to do and try and make our campus a better place, we want to make this a more loving place. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why we're here tonight. It's why we do this t- thing where I sit or I stand up here and we talk about a really old book and what it has to say to our lives. Because we're pretty convinced at RUF we're here because we think God has spoken and moved in ways that tell us how to be a better community, how to be a more loving community. Um, and so that's why we've been working through, if you've been here, we've been working through the biblical book of First John and asking questions about what is love? How do we know what love is? How do we be a better people at loving those around us, all the way from our dorm, all the way to our campus in our world? So, quick review. What have we seen? What have we seen the last couple of weeks? Well, we've seen, first of all, we've seen that love starts with God. Love starts with God, that God is the source of love. We have to start somewhere. And if we're going to start there, if we start that love starts with God, that's the right place to start. And we see that God's love is most clearly seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Because we see in Jesus Christ, God sacrificing himself. God sacrificing himself for our good. So what is love? Well, last week we saw that love is not just some emotional feeling of closeness that we may have. Or love is not just some ecstatic emotion. It's not less than that. But it's not only that. We saw last week that love love is sacrificing yourself. It's sacrificing your needs, your wants, your desires so you can make someone else a better person. That's what Jesus did. That's what he did. He sacrificed himself in our place. We deserve to die because of sin. And Jesus says, no, I will take that penalty. And so from that is this, that's where love starts and that's where love flows out. Well, this week we're going to start looking at what some threats to love. We're going to look at some major threats to love. If that's what it is, if that's what we want in our community, what are some threats to that? And we all have to admit, I think if we're honest, we all admit that there are some major threats to love, that sort of self-sacrificial love that we all want. It's just sort of obvious <laughs> if you look around in our world or if you look in your family, if you look in the news. There's just love's hard. There are threats to this sort of sacrificial love. And I'm sure you can all identify places in your life or in your world where there's been this failure to love because of a threat or because of even, even straight up unlove or hate. And so like it's little things that we all do, like snapping at our roommate or our boyfriend or girlfriend or snapping at a room at um, parents or, you know, just these little tiny things all the way up to like giant things like huge colossal acts of hate, like what we saw last week in a shooting where someone goes into a high school and shoots 17 people like that is a horrible threat to a community of love and that i mean those things are all around us and so we live in this world that's full of like incredible acts of self-sacrifice like a coach a football coach last week who died trying to save college students i mean high school students and this incredible act of hate 
because of a threat to love. This idea that sacrificial love faces major threats. And so we're going to look at two of those threats tonight. Two threats to love, and then we're going to look at the hope that we have in that. What Christianity says is the hope in that. So two threats and the hope. The first threat we'll see is the threat from the world, and we'll look at what that means. Second threat is we'll look at the threat for the Antichrist. That conjures up a lot for all of us, so we'll try to kind of break that down a little bit. And then we'll look at this hope in the anointing. So look with me on your text. I'm going to read our text. It's kind of a longer passage, um, and then we'll make some comments about it. So this is God's world, God's word. Um, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Father has the Son. Whoever confesses the Son has, also, has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to, uh, to you about those things, about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But but as his anointing anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this evening. Thank you that we can gather tonight around each other, around song, around your word. Father, I pray that you would be present. Spirit, be present here. May the meditation of our heart and my words be glorifying to you and edifying to each other. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing I want us to see here tonight is this first threat to love, the love that we all desperately need, the first threat. And and John tells us what it is in verse 15. It's the threat of the world. He tells us, he says, do not love the world or the things of the world. So what does John mean here when he says the world? That probably conjures up a lot of different things, but I think probably the first thing that we think of when we think of the world is basically like the physical world, the things that we touch and see and sense. Like when you look around, you see like first like a globe, but also just the world around us. So if that's, if the, you know, and so he would, in that sense, he would be then saying, be a spiritual person, not a, like not a person in the world, but a spiritual person. Um, and if this is true, then that would mean that John is saying, don't be too attached to this physical world. Don't go for hikes. Don't enjoy a good movie. Don't do hard work in your engineering classes or in your nursing or film. But instead, you should focus on like more spiritual things like prayer and not sinning and that sort of thing. But is that what John is actually saying here when he says world? And I don't think that's what he's saying. 
I don't think that's what he's saying at all. In fact, Christianity teaches that this world, this physical world, is a very good thing, that God created it good, and that we're to involve ourselves in it and dig our hands into it. So what does he mean when he says world? Well, he describes it. He describes it in verse 16. He says, For all that is in the world, he says, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of possessions. Well, what, is, what does he mean there? Well, we could dig, we, I mean, we could spend a whole, like a whole night on those three things, but I want to try and summarize them. And I want to summarize it by this. The word that he says here when he says desire, desire, it's a Greek word that means like this crazy, impossible to satisfy, or to satisfy desire for our own satisfaction. It's that feeling for just, just a little bit more. I just want a little bit, just a little bit more of something, like one more, like one more dress for some of you maybe, or just one more tech gadget, or just one more meal, or just, I just need, I'm just not quite satisfied. I just need a little bit more. And so it's this, it, John is describing here kind of our, all of us, this desire that we have, this consuming desire to consume. And I think if we look around in our culture today, um, our, t- our culture tells us to get what you can out of life, right? It's like, get what you can. There's limited stuff out there. There's limited time. Get yours, in a sense. And so we do. Like, we consume. We consume food. We consume experiences. Like, we, we all want to have the, the right Instagram and the right experiences to Instagram about them and the right snaps and all that sort of stuff. Or, or we consume the earth resources. Like, there's no question about it. We are using this world to get what we can out of it. And we even consume people. We use people for what we can get out of them often, right? For our own ends. And so world here, when John says world, he means the whole system around us and even us being part of it that says, get what you can, appease your own desires. And so the world here replaces this sacrificial love that we've talked about the last couple of weeks that we all want. It replaces that love with consumption, with get yours. And so I want you to see here, do you see in that what an incredible threat to love that is? John has a vision here that we've been looking at the last couple weeks of this incredible community of self-giving so that if, like, if I'm giving myself to Anthem and Anthem is giving himself to Jenny and Jenny is giving herself to Daniel and all of us are being animated by God's incredible love and self-giving in Jesus Christ, what an amazing community that would be, Right? What if, if, we, if that's what this looked like, and if we're on New Mexico State University and we're giving this love, well, the world is completely opposed to that. That's what he says in verse 16. He says, for all that is in the world is not of the Father. The world is the total opposite of this community of love. The world says, no, you can't give selflessly. You've got to get yours. You've got to consume. They're, they're opposites. Do you see what John's saying there? So he's saying... He's saying, watch out for this threat to this community of love that we all want. Don't love the world. See what a threat it is. Don't set your affections and your delights and your time on a system that only seeks to consume, that seeks to use other people for selfish ends. Reject that system. Have nothing to do with it. Because it's everything that I think we all say, we, it's against everything that we want as a community of love. So that's the first thing that's this threat to love that we see here is, this, is the, the threat against love from the world. But then he also describes a second threat, right? The threat of the Antichrist. 
the threat of the Antichrist. If there's this first threat of selfish consumption, there's this threat against love in the Antichrist. So look with me at verse 18. He says, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. And again, Antichrist is kind of like the word world. It probably conjures up a lot of different thoughts. In fact, if you ask everyone here, we probably have a, like a little different view. So what does John mean here? Some of us... Some of us, when you hear that word, we might think like Damien from The Omen or something like that, right? Or some of us might think about it and we might say, like, we might come from a family or world that says our current president is the Antichrist. Or some of us might come from a family or a world that says our last president was the Antichrist, right? So we all have a bunch of different ideas about what this is and, you know, who it is or something like that. And we're all, you know, a lot of the world is caught up trying to ask who's the Antichrist. And so, but what is John saying here about this person or this force that is the Antichrist? So he tells us two things. Look again at verse 18. He says, it is the last hour and the Antichrist is coming. And so that that phrase, the last hour, should tick us off. Because here John is cueing his audience to basically the end of time. He's saying it's not the end of time as in like chronologically it's the end of time, but he's saying all the big events that are going to happen in terms of what God is doing in history, those have all happened. That is, Jesus Christ has come and has died and has risen. That started what he's calling the last hour. It started sort of the end tick of things. And so part of that means that there is this force, and we see it in the rest of Scripture, there is this force or this single figure who hates what Jesus has done, who hates the community of Christians and who is trying to harass them. This is, the, this is a figure who is the ultimate figure of hate. He is the ultimate figure of unlove. He is the evil one. Remember last week we talked about how Jesus says, take heart for you have overcome the evil one. That's this figure, this evil one. So y'all, I'm here to tell you tonight, this is, this is weird for us to hear in our world today but there, is, there are dark spiritual forces who hate Christians, who hate Jesus, and who want to corrupt and distort love. They are real. They are out there. We live in a world that tries to say it's not there, but it's there. Let me say here, there are good forces, there are good spiritual forces, but there are also dark ones. And they work hard to ruin love on all levels, on a great big social level, all the way down to the, your own relationships and love. And so if Jesus is the ultimate picture, if Jesus is the ultimate source of love that we all want in our communities, then the Antichrist is the opposite of that. And y'all, that's Satan. We know that from the rest of Scripture. He's the ultimate enemy, the ultimate love ruiner who wants to distort and corrupt sacrificial love. That's what John has in mind here when he says the Antichrist is coming. But he says more here. John says, so now many Antichrists have come. What does he mean here? What's what's he talking about here? And here, he's describing something that's actually a little bit more insidious and more subtle. And to get that, we have to understand a little bit of the background. Look what he says in verse 19. He says, they, and there he's referring to the Antichrist, he says, they went out from us. And so what we have to understand here is that John is writing a letter to a group of Christians. And this group of Christians has just experienced a really, really traumatic, like, fellowship break, like a schism. There have been a group of them who have left, and they've gone out from that group of Christians. They've left that community. Well, why? Why did they leave? He tells us in verse 22. 
What does he say? He says, but who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So here's what it is. This community that left, they denied that Jesus is the Christ. They denied that Jesus himself was God. And when they do that, they begin to deny that Jesus is who he says he is and that he did what he did. That is that he died on the cross and that he came back and is this ultimate model and picture of love. The Antichrist is anyone who denies that Jesus is God and that he has done what John says that he has done. So John here is describing two forces, one spiritual, one human, that are the opposite of who Jesus is. They are the Antichrists. So what does this have to do with love? What does this have to do with love? How is this a threat to love? Well, I want you to think through this with me. Remember what we've talked about the last week about love. Love starts with God, and it starts with God moving closer to us even when we don't deserve it. So the ultimate act of love is when Jesus Christ dies and rises again from the dead on our behalf. That's love. That is love. But you understand here, if we deny that, or if someone were to deny that, that Jesus is God, then then you cut off love from the start. It's like if you pour a bunch of poison at the head streams of a water, like if you were to go up to dripping springs and pour poison in at the, at the very headwaters, everything else that flows downhill from it is going to be poisoned, right? So that's what's happening when this community of people or these people or the spiritual forces denies that Jesus is who he says or de- denies that Jesus did what he did, then that makes love impossible. That makes the love that we've been talking about and that we desperately want in our communities that makes that impossible. That's the threat to love that John is describing here. He tells us that there are forces at work, human and spiritual, that want to cut you and me off from the greatest source of love, which is Jesus Christ, and then ruin it. That's a real threat. That's a real threat. So if that's true, is there hope? Is there hope for love? What's the good news? Well, there absolutely is, and it's in this this mysterious idea of the anointing. Look with me here at verse 20. It says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One. So if love is this threat, how is this anointing good news? Well, to get at this, we actually have to understand a little bit of there's John's actually doing a bit of a word play here. He's playing with the word, and it's in a way that the English sort of doesn't necessarily get at. It revolves around the idea of the word anointing in Christ. So Christ means anointed. When we say Jesus Christ, we mean Jesus is the anointed one. And so Christ means anointed in the same way that we get the word christened. So like when the king or queen of England is christened to be the king or queen, they're anointed. That means they, they are christened to become the next monarch. And it's an old, old idea that goes back even to the Old Testament so that when a king was anointed, he had a little piece of, a little part of oil was put on his head, and that meant that he was specially designated and called to be the king. Designated to be the king, and that means that you are God's chosen one. That means that when, 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 when a king was anointed, then he was God's special designated representative. So this is subtle, but I want you to see what John is doing here. He says... There are threats to love in the world and the Antichrist, and both of them are the opposite of the anointed king of love. But then the word that he uses to describe it, he says, you've been anointed. You've been christened. 
He's saying there are anti-anointed ones out there who hate you, but you have been anointed. There are antichrists out there who want to destroy love, but you have been christened. You have been christened. By whom? He says, by the Holy One. Well, who's this Holy One? From the rest of Scripture, it tells us that the Holy One is the Holy Spirit. So how is this good news? How is this the good news that we need, the hope for love? Well, he tells us, look in verse 27. By the anointing that you received from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. So what John is doing, he's pointing to an incredible truth about the Christian life. An incredible truth about the Christian life. And that is, when we confess Jesus is God, when you and I confess Jesus is God, He has done what He says He does, then somehow mysteriously, the Holy Spirit, God Himself, comes into our lives in an incredible and mysterious way that allows us to defend ourselves from the threats And so hear me say this. Christianity is not a religion that says, believe it and then go do it. Believe believe this and then you're on your own. Believe this and now go out and love others. That's not what Christianity says. Christianity says, believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And then God himself, that is the Holy Spirit, will come into your life in a mysterious way that empowers you to actually do do the Christian life, to love others well, and to be defended against the threats, about, uh, uh, the threats against love. Jesus tells us in, verse, in John 16, he tells us that the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth. That the Holy Spirit helps us in Christians to love well. How is this hope for love? It means that you and I can discern what is right and wrong in a deceptive world. What do I mean by that? It's like we said, the world and the Antichrist want to ruin love by distracting us from Jesus. By playing tricks with us. Look in verse 26. What does he say? I write these things about those who are trying to deceive you. They're trying to trick us. But the anointing by the Spirit means that we, you and I in community, have all the knowledge and resources that we need to, to spot those tricks and to say, no, that is, a, that is not true. That is not of God. Later on in this book, John tells us, we'll look at this in a couple of weeks, but I'm going to read it now. John tells us, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And then this is what he says here. Listen carefully. And by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come from the flesh, has come in the flesh, is from God. So here's the test. Hear me say this if you hear one thing tonight. If anything in this world, anything in this world, a person, a, a spiritual sense that you get, a message, if anything says to you anything but Jesus Christ is God who died and came back to life. Anything but that message, that message is wrong. It is a lie and it is a threat to love. The anointing from the Holy Spirit means that you and I have all the, everything we need, everything we need to navigate our, this world that is a threat to love. If something smells fishy, it probably is. So last couple weeks ago, I was on campus and there's a community who was handing out these flyers. And they, um, 
I mean, you can look at this if you want, but I'm telling y'all, this is not, this is not the Christian gospel. It's subtle, but it's not the Christian gospel because they are proclaiming something other than Jesus Christ and who he says he is. It's on our campus, this threat to, to the, to the basic claims of Christianity, of who Jesus is, and it's a threat to love. So this anointing, it's kind of like, how, is the Matrix still cool? Does anyone watch the Matrix still? Maybe. So at the end of the Matrix, when Neo sort of, he like gets who he is, that he's the chosen one. And all of a sudden, like everything clicks into place and he can like see the numbers and he like has everything that he needs to go out and fight the evil virus agents. That's what it means when we're anointed by the Holy Spirit. That we have what we need as Christians in scripture and with each other to go out and not be deceived to not be twisted and fooled by the threats of these love, by, by the threats against love. We have the community of believers. That's what happens here. We have this, which teaches us. We have the Spirit's guidance telling us what's true. So what do we do from what do we do with all this? John tells us in verse 24, what does he say? He says, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Let what you heard from the beginning abide with you. That means cling to the original gospel in the midst of all these deceptive and competing threats. The message of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and came back to life and is the source and start of this love. Cling to that. Cling to that message. Continue in that. Yes, the world is going to try and compromise that by telling you, get what you can. Don't love others. Get what you can. Yes, there are dark spiritual forces that will tell you that Jesus is not, God has not come back to life. But he, John is saying, cling to what you heard from the beginning. Y'all, this is a complex world we live in. It's a complex world. There are messages that we get every day that say, don't sacrifice for others. Get what you can. Consume what you can. There's another section of the dark world and complex world that says, that wants to tell us that Jesus is not who he says he is, that he is not the Christ, and wants to compromise love. Both of these are real threats to this community of love that we all desperately want. But y'all, there is a bigger story. There are bigger powers at play than this threat. There is a bigger king, a victorious king who has overcome. Jesus tells us in John 16, he says, take heart. Be encouraged. I have overcome the world. Not only has he overcome the world, but his overcoming means that we are anointed by the Holy Spirit that empowers and informs us with everything we need. So what does it mean for this week? It means this week, look hard at the messages that you receive on social media, from in class and professors, from friends, Online, Look hard at those messages and ask, is this something that is a threat to love, to the, what I believe and know is true in Jesus Christ? Trust your Holy, Spirit's, Holy Spirit-guided instincts. Surround yourself with people who will guide you well in that. And then finally, abide in what you know is true, that Jesus is the loving King who empowers us to love despite the threats. That's good news, that we are able to go out and live a world and live in a complex world. That is good news. So let's do that. In Jesus' name, let's pray with me. Father, um, we, live, we do live in a complex world that's hard to understand and confusing. It's a real threat to love. Um, loving is hard in this world. And yet, Father God, you know, you, we know that you have promised that you give us everything that we need, a victorious king, an anointing from the Holy Spirit that gives us the resources to live 
with knowledge and with love. So help us, Spirit, to do that well this week. Help us to do that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.